Welcome to the Grace Point Church Podcast. Here at GPC, we want you to know God, love people, and live sent. From wherever you're listening, we hope you're encouraged by this week's message. If you want to learn more about Grace Point, head over to gracepointchurch.net. And now, this week's message. Awesome. Praise God. A couple weeks ago, uh, we got the opportunity to baptize a handful of students in our student ministry. And so, man, I love seeing students in front of their peers say, hey, I want to make my faith my own and declare in front of everybody that I am a follower of Jesus. And so I love videos like that. Good morning, everybody. How are you guys? Good. Uh, so my name is Devin Arredondo. I am over our student ministry. If you did not know that, welcome to Grace Point Church. We're so glad that you're here. Kids, are you in the room with us today? There we go. That's what I love. Uh, I love it when we get the opportunity to have our children in the room. And some of you are like, just wait till your kid gets a little bit older. Uh, I have a almost two-year-old, and so she would not be in the room with me. But some parents are probably like, yeah, you just wait. Uh, but let me provide a little bit of freedom to you parents who have little kiddos in the room with you today. Please, please, please do not feel the burden of preventing your child from being a distraction. And adults who don't have kids, or maybe that might annoy you, let's focus on the positive together today, this morning. And as adults, let's be reminded that this is a place that kids can come to see examples of what it looks like to be a follower of Jesus, a mature worshiper, a mature engaging in scripture. And so don't feel the need to silence them or distract them, help them out. So kids, I'm going to be cueing you throughout the message today, but we're going to have a lot of fun this morning because we're continuing on our series on Ephesians. Everybody say Ephesians. Ephesians. And so uh, as we chat about a really, really popular topic today, and that is unity. Yes, unity. Obviously kidding. It's kind of funny uh, to me how we have become so divided in our world today that saying we are divided is almost a cliche, right? Like even the word unity might bring up some negative feelings in you. Like, wait a minute, you're not going to tell me I've got to like love that person, right? And so I'm just going to state the obvious. In fact, I want you to join me together today and say it with me. We are divided. Go ahead and say it. Say it like you mean it loud. We are divided. Thank you. I love the kids. They're going to keep us uh, loud and engaged today. If you never heard me preach, I have a lot of energy that I need a lot of uh, participation from you guys, or I'll just burn circles on the stage here. Um, and so turn to a person next to you and say, buckle up. <laughs> so we are incredibly divided, right? Politically, socially, economically, racially, wherever there is an opinion to be made, we will make it. And anytime there is an option to be chosen, we will choose it. And if someone's preferences are the opposite of ours, then watch out. Kids say, watch out. So I'm a huge Chiefs fan. I love this family right here in the Chiefs jersey. Yes. Some of you now already hate me a little bit more. Uh, I'm also a huge Razorback fan. I love how we can joke about our sports allegiances around here. We've got Aggies fans. We've got Razorbacks. We've got Texas people. Uh, shout out some of your sports teams, especially kids. Let me hear you if you're a sports fan. Bengals. Bengals. Oh. 
Bama, oh, oh. (laughs) Buffalo, oh, even, oh, my heart. Uh, No, so uh, there, I love, oh, I I think I heard uh, Broncos as well. Um, I love the different, the way that we can uh, joke with each other about our sports allegiances uh, and still call each other friends and family in Christ. And the Chiefs played last Monday night. There were multiple questionable calls. I won't get into the questions around the calls, but here's what I found so baffling. There are multiple plays where we had what you might call empirical evidence. Kids in the room, that means like there was proof. There's videotape as to what happened. And it was baffling to me because depending on whether you were rooting for or against the Chiefs completely affected the way your eyes worked. Like watching the tape, watching the exact same thing take place on replay over and over again. I was looking through social media in the moment live And there were two groups of people, those who were rooting for the Chiefs, those who were rooting against the Chiefs, and they saw wildly different things. And I thought this painted such a perfect example of the biases that run so deep within us, running so deep that it was affecting our literal vision. And now one could easily use this as some kind of like youth pastor TikTok story where I then launch into some like metaphor about our spiritual vision, right? Like maybe a little keys underneath me. Uh, like, uh, as I was watching the game, I saw this play, seeing something completely different than anyone else. And it made me wonder, what are my spiritual eyes looking at? I'm I'm sorry, I'm kidding. If you didn't get that, ask a younger person, they'll explain it to you. There's a TikTok trend where youth pastors quote unquote, get on TikTok and they make some seemingly uh, normal thing and then take this really big reach for a metaphor. Um, But also shameless plug there, if you're an older person and you don't have any younger people in your life, come on, let's do this together. Uh, But Paul in Ephesians is not kidding. He is very serious writing this letter to the Ephesians to set before them the beautiful mystery that is the life of the Christian. And if you haven't been with us over the past couple of weeks, let me quickly catch you up because it's crucial to get these chapters in order. Everybody say in order. It is the progression of life with Jesus that Paul begins to write starting in Ephesians all the way through the end of Ephesians. So Paul starts with an understanding of our identity. Say identity. Our identity that Jesus has redeemed us, called us new creations, given us a completely new identity as co-heirs with him in his kingdom. Every grace and gift given to us through Jesus Christ is given to us through Jesus Christ when we believe. Not when we start acting the right way, not when we've cleaned ourselves up a little bit, not when we know all the right things. At the very moment we say, yes, I believe, we are given a new identity. We're invited into a new family. Everybody say family. Family. This is the foundation. And so if you believe that with me today, right now say, I am new. Say, I am new. So we are new creations. And if you're here today and you don't believe that yet, that promise is extended to you through the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Right now, 
All you have to do is say, yes, I believe, and all of it is yours. You become at the same equal ground that I am right now. It's all yours. This is the foundation. Everybody say foundation. The foundation. So every instruction that Paul provides, every prayer that he adds, every standard that he sets begins at that foundation, begins with that knowledge. But then he spends the rest of Ephesians talking about the really practical ethics, how we are supposed to live because of this new identity, how we live it out as being a part of Christ's body. How many of you recognize today that if something is to be new, that means it cannot continue as it once used to be, right? Like that's the very nature of being new. It can't be old. And so what that means for us theologically is that Jesus loves, accepts, and redeems us, but then empowers us. Everybody say empowers. Jesus empowers us, meaning he gives us the ability through his spirit, his power at work within us to live a life that embodies this brand new kingdom. And in this new kingdom, unity is a key component. And that's what we get to be excited about today, because Paul is going to get really, really practical about what God's kingdom can and should do in order to stay a unified body of believers. And so if you have your Bibles, jump with me to Ephesians chapter 4, verses 1 through 6. And kids, if you're in the room, look over your parents' shoulder, watch them read it. Or if you have your little uh, kids' bag, I think in that, in that bag there might be a paper for you to help follow along. Ephesians chapter 4, verses 1 through 6. If you're with me, say, I'm with you. All right. Let's read this together, and we'll read the whole passage at first, and then we'll go and break it down verse by verse. Ephesians chapter 4, verses 1 through 6, and it says this, Therefore, I, a prisoner for serving the Lord, beg you to lead a life worthy of your calling, for you have been called by God. Say, by God. Now say, always. Always be humble and gentle. Be patient with each other, making allowance for each other's faults because of your love. Everybody say love. Make every effort to keep yourselves united in the spirit, binding yourselves together with peace. For there is one body. Everybody say one. And one spirit. Say one. Just as you have been called to one glorious hope. For the future, there is one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all, in all, and living through all. If you're taking notes with me this morning, the first thing I want you to do is write this down. We are divided, but it doesn't have to be that way. We are divided, but it doesn't have to be that way. Paul is calling us to be stewards of this new identity, this new calling. Listen to the language that he says, I beg. How many parents in the room when your kids beg, you know it's something they really want, right? I beg you to live a life worthy of the call 
I did find it a little bit ironic as I was studying this passage that Paul, in the chapter right before this, sets this huge grand vision of what God is capable of doing, right? Like more than we could ask or imagine. And then he immediately moves into unity. Like almost as if he knows both what's at stake here, but also like, you guys are so divided. Come on. God can do even more than we ask or imagine. So take heart this morning. Why? Because God is capable of far more than we could ever ask or imagine. And I believe like Paul, that when we remember the foundation of who God is and the gospel and what God is capable of, that he can, God can unite even the most divided of hearts. And so Paul begins with asking us to live a life worthy of this new identity. And what's the first thing Paul encourages us to get rid of is our egos. Those nasty egos. If you're taking notes, write this down with me. Our egos are the root of our divisions. Often our egos are the root of our divisions. That feeling of inferiority that says, I'm not nearly as good as that person, usually your ego. The opposite is also true. That feeling of superiority that says, I'm so much better than them, are nasty egos. That feeling of arrogance when we hop online that says, I know the right answer, you know nothing, I am right, you are wrong, ego, right? Envy, greed, prejudice, defensiveness, intolerance, abuse, all of these things that usually cause division within us and in our communities is ego. Everybody say ego. Our pride is usually at the root of spiritual failure. So what's the solution? Humility. Everyone say humility with me. Humility. Listen to verse 4 again. Therefore, I, a prisoner for serving the Lord, beg you to live a life worthy of your calling, this new identity that you have been called by God. Always be humble. Everyone say, always be humble. You're taking notes, write this down. Humility is the first step in unity. Humility is the first step in unity. The first step in becoming a united body of Christ is practicing humility. And humility has always been pretty fascinating to me because now it's somewhat of a virtue, right? Like most people in our world would admit to some kind of like, yes, that's a virtue. But I think... Maybe if we're honest, deep down, we still view it similarly to those that Paul is writing to. This early Greek mindset, humility was not something to be attained, right? Like it was all about power, strength, conquer. And I think some of that still lives within us. Humility, or maybe even the next word that Paul uses, gentleness. Everybody say, be gentle. Be gentle. I think these words can bring up some iffy feelings in us, right? Like gentle, whoa, I don't know about that. I think it's because we often understand the word humility that Paul is trying to bring awareness to. Humility, gentleness, it's not this passivity, let everybody walk all over me. It's not anti-success, it's not anti-drive or anti-energy. No, it's none of those things. Write this down, humility is all about value. Humility is all about value, an ever-present awareness that all I have, all I have is from God. But when we think about the foundation, 
that Paul provides us, it becomes easier to remember, right? Like this new identity that I have, nothing I bring to the table, Jesus accomplished everything for me. God has given me this new identity freely. And so therefore, I am no better or worse than that person. And this attitude allows us to come into our relationships on equal ground. Everybody say equal. We have nothing to win or to lose for the foundation of our identity has been freely given. Maybe you've heard it this way before, but I think we all need the reminder. If you're taking notes, write this down. Humility is not thinking less of yourself, but simply thinking of yourself less. Humility is not thinking less of yourself. It's not this idea that I've got to make myself worse than everyone around me. No, that's ego as well. It's simply thinking of yourself less. Like, oh, I'm going to look to what others see and what they value, and how can I help be a part of that? Jesus gave us this beautiful picture of humility. Look at Philippians 2 on the screen with me. Stay in Ephesians. If you're in your physical Bible, it'll be on the screen. We're going to jump around a little bit, but this is what Paul is writing about Jesus. He says this, therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, there's our phrase again, united. If any comfort from his love, if any common sharing in the spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one. Everybody say one. In spirit and of one mind, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourself, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others in your relationships. Everyone say relationships. Have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. And then here is the like ultimate throw down hammer. Who? Being in very nature God, meaning like everything is about him. Everything in this world was created for him. If there's anyone ever that had any right to have come into this world, to come into relationships to say, hey, you know what? No, it's not about you. It's about me. It's Jesus. But guess what? Jesus did not do have that attitude. Jesus, who in the very nature was God, did not consider equality with God something to be used for his own advantage, an attitude of Christ. It all starts with humility. Say humility again. Humility. So Paul continues with the result of humility. What happens when you come into situations and relationships with this type of humility? Well, let's keep reading. Be patient with each other, making allowance for each other's faults because of your Love, be patient with each other, making allowance for each other's faults because of your love. I told you earlier, I have almost a two-year-old. Her name is Eleanor, and she is adorable. I love her so much. But we've hit this new season that if you're a parent who, of an older child, you are familiar with this season where um, it has taken a ton of patience to navigate. She has begun feeling all of these big emotions. And she has no idea what to do with them, right? And so as parents, we have two options. We can either get upset and annoyed at these faults that she has, this misunderstanding that like, hey, when I ask you to put on pants, it's not the end of the world, right? 
But we can come into them with this adult understanding or I can begin to find myself at her level. And because of my love for my daughter and an understanding of this new season that she's experiencing with all these emotions, this mental breakdown, because I dare say, hey, it's time to brush your teeth, becomes easier. And notice I said easier, not easy. Becomes easier to have patience because I know the season that she is in. I know that she has no idea what to do with all of these things that she's feeling. And so I start with humility. And while it's not exactly the same with every situation, right? When we start with humility, patience flows more naturally because of our love. We recognize that, hey, I want to care for this individual. I want to be there for this person. I don't know what season they're in that's causing the response that they might be giving right now. I don't know what faults they have in their life, but guess what? I can be patient with them because in my humility, I know I don't have everything all figured out. In my humility, I can come into that relationship and know that I have my own faults, that I've been redeemed from, that they've got to bear in with me. And so Paul keeps going. Make every effort. Everyone say, make every effort. Say, make every effort. Make every effort to keep yourselves united in the spirit, binding yourselves together with peace. Make every effort to keep yourself united in spirit, binding yourselves together with peace. Man, what an encouraging passage of scripture that if we live this out, y'all, how much healthier would our lives be? And I am preaching to myself here. What if instead of finding all the ways that we disagreed, we made every effort to focus on the things that actually unite us? How much more peace would your life have? How much more peace would my life have? And who is the bringer of peace? Jesus. Everybody say Jesus. Say Jesus. Yes, the classic children's church answer, right? Jesus. He brings us peace. And so often I think we limit the peace that Jesus wants to bring in our lives. We, we limit it to Jesus wants to bring us peace between us and God. And now don't mishear me here. That is miraculous that Jesus would come to the earth, die on the cross for our sins so that we could be reconciled and have peace with our creator. That's a miracle. But Jesus does not stop there. Everybody say it doesn't stop there. Goes much further than that. Jesus wants to bring us peace with all people, all of his united body of Christ. This is the freedom that Christ wants to bring to this new kingdom. Ephesians chapter 2, it says this For he himself is our peace, who made the two groups one and has destroyed the barrier. If you remember a couple weeks ago, if you were with us, Brett, one of our elders, did a phenomenal job getting us into this culture that there was literal racism going on that caused Paul to be thrown in jail because Paul brought a person of this one race into a group of another races. And they're like, no way. We're not having that. And so Paul is not just writing with like out, without any context here, right? Like Paul is so passionate about this because he knows what's at stake. The church of Ephesus is completely divided. And he's saying, remember who our peace 
is, who made two groups one, destroyed all of the barriers, the dividing wall of hostility gone. Verse 15 in Ephesians chapter 2, it says this, by setting aside his flesh, the law with its commands and regulations, his purpose was to create in himself one new humanity out of the two, thus making peace. 1 Corinthians 12, 25, it says this, so there may be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. I love the way that uh, Daniel DeHaan writes this. He's a professor at Oxford. He says this, when unity is coupled with humility, gentleness, long-suffering, and loving forbearance, debatable issues are not likely to become divisive. When unity is coupled with humility, gentleness, long-suffering, and loving forbearance, debatable issues are not likely to become divisive when we make every effort. If you're taking notes with me, write this down. Unity does not equal uniformity. Unity does not equal uniformity. And here, what I love about this quote is it says debatable issues don't have to be divisive, which means that there is a differentiation, differentiation of uh, opinions, right? Of topics, right? That is the freedom of Christ, the peace of Jesus right there. And I've said it before here, but Christianity is the most culturally diverse movement ever. Christianity is the most culturally diverse movement ever. As Christians, we are incredibly different and diverse racially, politically, socially. We have a global family. Everyone say global. Say global. But we are family. Our heavenly father calls us to lay aside prejudice, self-interest, and pride as we work toward a supernatural unity that, uh, that honors him, our father, in this new family. See, unity does not equal uniformity. We don't have to think the same way. We don't have to act the same way. We don't have to look the same way. Christians do not need to agree on everything to have unity, but... We do need to have the unity of an uncommon commitment to Christ. We don't have to agree on everything, but we do have to have the unity of an uncommon commitment to Christ. What does that mean? Well, what I mean by that is that a commitment to Jesus that runs so deep within us that we refuse to let the cultural labels of today define us. Because again, the foundation is that we are called to die to the identifiers of this world that we often use. Successful business person in the room, that is no longer who you are. You are a Christian. Republican or Democrat, no, I am a Christian. Now, don't mishear me here. You can be those other things, right? Like huge sports fan, I'm a Chiefs fan. You can be those other things. They're just different flavors. They're just different flavors, but we are called to identify with them no more because we're all part of the main dish, God's kingdom. I love to cook. Imagine if the only ingredient I ever used was salt. Would that be any good? No. Kids in the room, have you ever like, oh, I wonder what salt tastes like? And just poured a bunch in your hand. Is that it? Yeah. 
Not very good, right? Not very good. Low-key, some of y'all, though, need to learn about the seasoning salt. <laughs> you can use some. I'm just, sorry, I'm just kidding. Let me give you another illustration here. So we got ingredients, right? Making up the main dish. Uh, I love music. I love music. Uh, one of my students, we have a Bible study at my house on Sunday night, and one of my students came in and recognized that, hey, Devin, you seem like one of those people that always has music on. And it's 100% true. I always have music on. But imagine if this was the body of Christ. We all thought the same. We all looked the same. We all act the same. We all speak the same. <laughs> we get it. Right? I'm in that season of life where like all the kids' toys play like the most simplest songs ever, which to drive me insane, right? You get it. <laughs> but what makes music beautiful? The different notes, the different rhythms, and I don't play piano very well, but you get the point. You get it. You see, what makes the body of God beautiful is our diversity. I love what Cameron said earlier that a diverse, like the, the beauty is in diversity. But then Paul wraps it up with the why, and this is crucial. I don't want anybody to leave here this morning and misinterpret this passage of Scripture because Paul wraps it up with the why. How many of you kids in the room are like, you're why people? Like if your parents say something, you say, Why? Yeah, okay. I see a couple hands in the back. How many of you are like, oh, we're going to go get lunch. Why? Oh, you probably need to drink some water. Why? It's time to brush your teeth. Why? Right? Well, Paul is writing to people like you. Why? How many adults are why people? Anybody like in the corporate world who your boss is like, hey, uh, this is the plan and here's where we're going. And you're like, I'm going to need you to tell me the why before I can get aligned with this. <laughs> Anyone? Yeah, adults do it too. Don't worry, kids, you're not alone. Why? So Paul is writing to all the why people here. He says this, for there is one body, one spirit, just as you have been called to one glorious hope for the future. There is one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and father of all who is over all, in all, and living through all. Why? Are we to act and be a united family? Because like it or not, we are already united. Like it or not, we are already united in Christ through the work of the Holy Spirit. A person named, if a person names and follows Jesus, that person then belongs to the body of Christ. And ultimately, if you are a believer, that means that person belongs to you and each other, right? Woo! See, here's what I want you guys to leave understanding. Unity is given by the Spirit. It's not something that we create. Unity is given by the Spirit. It's not something we create. Unity is based on the oneness of God, the oneness of the gospel that works for all people. 
It works for you and for me and your neighbor and that other person exactly the same way. Unity is the foundation of the gospel because it is not what we do. It is all through Jesus. Unity is the foundation from which we start. It's not something we have to create. It is something we have to and have been called to by God to maintain. It has already been given through Jesus Christ. There are lots of ways that Christians can agree to disagree. But when it gets into the deeper level to say that there's not one God, there's not one faith, there's not one baptism, there's not one spirit, there's not one glorious hope, at that point, then the division is okay. But y'all, we divide ourselves over such small things, such small things. And Jesus promises us, that I've given you unity through my spirit. When you walk into relationships, be reminded of your humility that I've done it all for you. Unity is not something we create. It's something for us to maintain. You see, the presence of God is the promise. The presence of God is the promise, and this presence produces peace within us and God and within our neighbors around us we can civilly look at each other and say, oh, you know what, I think I, I think I view things a little bit differently. It's okay. I want you to hear this passage one last time. Therefore, I, a prisoner for serving the Lord, beg you to lead a life worthy of your calling, for you have been called by God. Always, everyone say always. Be humble and gentle. Not, hey, sometimes be humble and gentle unless that person has really different opinions than you. Then you just go at them. No. Always be humble and gentle. Be patient with each other. Making allowance for each other's faults because of your love. Make every effort. Make every effort. Make every effort to keep yourselves united in the Spirit. Binding yourself together with peace. This is the gospel of Jesus Christ for us today. And y'all, it's so important. It's so, so, so important. If you remember an old hymn, it's like, how will they know us? By our love. We love because he first loved us. And y'all, I have family members who will never step foot in a church because we've screwed it all up. Because there have been people in their lives who have not come into relationships with humility, who've not said, you know what, I'm gonna endure your faults and bear with you until you understand the love that Jesus has for you. And it breaks my heart, y'all. I pray for them almost every day because I want them to know the peace and the hope that is Jesus Christ. And it will take a miracle for that to happen, but I believe God is capable of more than I could ask or imagine. And the same is true when I look at the church. There are so many people in this world right now who look at church and say, man, that's messy. I don't want to be a part of that. And there's some truth to that, right? But I believe God is capable to unite us and remind us of his hope one glorious hope for the future that one day every knee will bow, every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord, that they will see this new beautiful kingdom that he wants to bring to this 
earth. That's the foundation. That's where it starts. Would you pray with me this morning? God, we're so grateful for who you are. We're grateful that you empower us to live this out. That you empower us with humility. You empower us with patience through the power of your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said together, amen. Thanks for listening to the Grace Point Church podcast. To stay up to date on all things GPC, follow us at Grace Point NWA on Facebook or Instagram. As you go, be people who show and share Jesus in everyday conversations with everyday people. Live Sent.